G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Now, earlier on we were talking about how difficult new dads can find it bringing up their first baby. Well, I have news for them. Wait until you're bringing up your first teenager because that can be even scarier. I heard a psychologist describe teenagers once as alien beings who try to control your life. Talking to them is like trying to find the end of a roll of sellotape, but at least the tape doesn't roll its eyes and talk back. But some teens find themselves in far worse positions than just being awkward with their parents. Well, I guess in this hour of the program is someone who's well used to the issues faced by our teens, and that's Joe Hobbs from Teen Challenge. Joe, uh, thank you very much indeed for sparing time to be with us today. Um, if you would like to talk to Joe, the phone lines are open. Matt is standing by to take your calls. You can call us on one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six, or contribute to the conversation, of course, at facebook.com slash vision radio, or you can tweet us at vision radio. Joe, tell us a bit about Teen Challenge Festival because it's a, a venerable organization, isn't it? It is, Alan, and thanks so much for having me um, on the program. Pleasure. Uh, Team Challenge, we're absolutely passionate about young people, um, seeing young people whose lives are really heading down a bad path, those that have a really destructive um, lifestyle, and just seeing what incredible change that God brings into their life. And we just have the incredible privilege of walking the journey of recovery with young people, teenagers and young adults who find themselves in those Desperate situations where they're in um, the the throes of addiction, self-harm, anxiety, a whole range of issues that just absolutely control their lives. Uh, Teen Challenge itself is is it's been in Australia what about forty forty something years, but it actually goes back to America in the fifties. It does. Dave Wilkinson back in nineteen fifty eight. Um, he just heard the call of God and the country pastor who picked, packed up his family went to the streets of New York and at that time there was a huge gang culture in, in uh, New York and he walked into the midst of some pretty tough situations and his heart was just so much to see these young people really come to a knowledge of Jesus and, and really that's what they needed. They needed someone to love on them, someone to actually speak hope into their life and that's where Teen Challenge was birthed. Uh, and of course, we we all remember the, the book and the movie that the cross and the switchblade. I wonder how many lives have been changed as a result of of that initial step of David Wilkinson moving to moving to New York. I mean, that's an amazing story. Well, it is an amazing story. And look, you know, I, I don't know what those statistics are, but I dare say there would be just you know, many, many hundreds of thousands of lives that have been impacted. And, I mean, Teen Challenge really is a global organisation. They're in um, 1,100 uh, – we have 1,100 centres over wow. 93 different countries now. So, yeah, it's pretty impacting Big worldwide. Deal. So tell us a bit about what you do here because, it, I mean, you you deal with all sorts of – issues where teens have fallen through the cracks. We do. Um, look, you know, we, we definitely deal with marginalised young people. Uh, we In Brisbane, we have crisis accommodation for young men who find themselves 
um, homeless or at risk of homelessness. And then in Toowoomba, we have a men's centre that we've run there for probably around 17 years now, a rehabilitation centre, and that's a live-in facility where we run a full-on program there. And uh, just about three and a half years ago now, we opened our first women's centre, which was an incredible milestone for Teen Challenge. I mean, I have, I have a teenager. Listeners will know. <laughs> I have a teen who's good most of the time. And, you know, we're, we're very proud of him most of the time. But that's, that's it. It's most of the time. Teens are, teens are challenging, aren't they? Look, they, they are challenging. But, you know, I think sometimes, um, you know, in fact, I, I guess I really believe in speaking positively about our young people because, you know, the words we speak over them are so important. And we see that in Teen Challenge because often young people have very negative things spoken over their life, all of their lives. And we know that the Word of God tells us that, you know, the words that we speak actually have a tremendous impact on lives. So, look, they can definitely be a challenge, but there is also incredible um hope and and wonderful futures that they can um, look forward to as well. And that's what I think we need to um, perhaps centre on more. I think that's a very key thing. I mean, I know from, from my own experience that, that uh, when we've had um, frank and open discussions, a couple of times our son has, has brought up stuff that neither of us remembered saying. And we think of all the positive things that we've said over the years, but it's the one negative thing that, that – that seems to have stuck in his mind, and I, I, I guess that is that a is that just the way teens work? Is is the the good stuff that you say to them skates off the top, but if you say something that that's negative, it it sticks in. Look, you know, I, I think that that's actually a bit of a um, biblical principle there, because you know. Um, there, there takes one bad experience in our life or perhaps something that's been challenging to us. And, you know, it's not just about the way we think, but we know we had, have an adversary in this world as well who likes to magnify those things that are negative. And so when a negative experience happens with a young person, that is the thing that becomes magnified in their thinking and often is compounded through ongoing circumstances. It's hard though, isn't it? Because sometimes you do need to tell a teen a home truth or two. Absolutely. But I think there's a big difference in being able to communicate openly and tell them a home truth that is always, um, you know, comes from a foundation of love than one that comes from a, a foundation of continual criticism. And that's what I think we have to check as parents. Because that's the, you because know, you, you, I mean, I'm sure all parents are the same, but you're thinking, you never pick your clothes up, you never bring the washing down, you never empty the dishwasher, you never do this, you never do that. And it becomes a bit of a, you know, a battle, doesn't it? Not to, not to just harp on those things, because those, those are the things that drive us wild. It is. And then I guess, you know, I always say to people, well, you know, how much time do you actually spend reinforcing the great things that they do? And I think that if we spend as much time reinforcing those tremendous things that they do day by day, encouraging them, um, you know, the other part of it's sometimes not as big an issue. Yeah, you're really challenging me now. <laughs> if you would like to talk to Joe, the phone lines are open. Do feel free to give us a call. We'd love to hear your contribution to the conversation. one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six is the number to call. Let's talk about some of the, the challenges that, that are out there. And, and during the news, we were talking about, about ice, crystal methamphetamine. Uh, New Zealanders would know it as, as P. It has many names. It's a terrible drug. 
It is a terrible drug. And, uh, you know, there is quite an epidemic of that drug um, in our nation. And, in fact, um, we were talking just earlier about uh, the labs that have been uncovered here in, um, in Australia. There's been about 809 labs and over half of those have actually been found in Queensland. So Queensland does have an increasing problem with this drug. And we've seen that in Teen Challenge with our young people coming into our centres. That often is the drug of choice and the drug that um, is causing so much problems because it is so readily available. I'm old enough to remember the days of <laughs> when marijuana or LSD were, were the drugs of choice. Why is it that P seems to be so much worse than those? Look, I think, you know, the, the problem is is that you don't know a lot of times what's actually going into the drug, you know, mm. um, and what they're being cut with these days because, you know, they could, ha- they could take one lot of ice that may not affect them as badly as the second hit that they have. But, you know, the, the reason that ice is such a terrible um, drug is the effects that it has on young people. It, it gives them this feeling of invincibility, and, you know, they get this um, rush and this feeling of, of um, a false feeling of happiness and well-being, but it only lasts for a short while. But while they're in that euphoric state, that's when all sorts of things can happen because they feel invincible and they start to do all sorts of crazy things. Because I think the thing that, that scares me most about it is that, is that this isn't, this isn't a, an issue that's that's confined to, to one demographic or, you know, to, to one group of people or, or one section of society. It appears to be right across society. It does. It, it has no social, social um, boundaries whatsoever. Every socioeconomic boundary is crossed by drugs. And, you know, sometimes we have this idea that drugs is in a certain sector of our uh, society, but that is absolutely false. And I say to parents often, you know, you need to know what your children are doing, who they are with. You need to know when the parties that they're going to because let me tell you, at just about every adolescent party that they go to, there are these drugs available regardless of, of you know, the, the, you may think you know the parents, you may think you know what's happening in there, but I know um, by experience that these drugs are available readily and at those parties. That's a terrifying thought. Big issues and how they affect you. 2020 on Vision. It is indeed. You are listening to 2020. Alan Lee standing in for Neil Johnson, our guest on the program today. Comes from Teen Challenge. It's Joe Hobbs and uh, the phone lines are open. You can call us on 1-800-880-876. Joe, we were talking about, talking about um, ice, crystal meth, pee, uh, whatever you want to call it. Are there clues that something's going awry in your teen's life, that, that they may be coming under the influence of something like that? Look, there are some definite signs um, to look for. Um, often they become quite agitated and um, I often say that their pupils are something to look at as well because their mm. pupils um, are often very, very tiny and um, and they don't dilate as much. You know, there is often um, other signs where they they will then also become quite withdrawn and uh, they won't want to interact with the family the way that they they used to. Um, They become aggressive. This is another side effect, particularly of ice. There's a lot of aggression that can come from that. And it starts to really um, have an effect on their mental health. And because, you know, there is, um, it's highly addictive. And so, you know, with this drug, there are often psychotic episodes that happen. 
So, you know, in the beginning, there is those things to watch for where they withdraw from the family. They become quite um, agitated, um, unreasonable, not wanting to engage in conversation as they, they would have in the past. And, you know, all of those things are pretty telltale signs. It's hard though, isn't it? Because teenagers are unreasonable at the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> they are, but you know, you, you know yeah. your, your child and uh, you can often tell when there's been a change in their behaviour. And, you know, when that, it, look, it doesn't matter, that, it doesn't mean, sorry, that they're, they're on drugs, but, you know, you do need to be very mindful of those changes that you see. Is there something that, that you can do when, you know, if you, if you, do, if you do suspect the worst, how do you approach it? I mean, I can just imagine going to mine and saying, I think you're in drugs. And then we have a huge row. Um, I mean, how, how do you approach that subject? Because that must be very, very sensitive. Look, it is. And often, obviously, if they are taking drugs, they're very guarded and they're not wanting to um, tell their parents about it. And so there is a, a big issue in that. I think that if those signs continue, it is about keeping open communication with them, but not coming at them with accusations. Because as soon as you start to accuse, they're going to withdraw. They're going to deny because, you know, um, anyone that actually has an addiction, they have a huge problem with lying and denial. And uh, so, you know, it is about um, being able to talk to them without those accusations. That's a, it sounds like you almost, you almost need a course for parents on, on how to tackle these these hard subjects because it, it's so easy to get to, to put a foot wrong and make it worse. Look, it is, but I, I, there is so much literature around now, Alan, that is available for, um, you know, uh, parents. And even in Teen Challenge, we have a family support worker who works side by side with parents and gives lots of advice. So there is lots of help out there. And that was the, the next thing I was going to say, that if you do suspect and you feel like, look, I'm out of my depth here, you know, really give someone a call. You know, you can call Teen Challenge. There's many different agencies that can help that will really come beside you and just really help you to walk the journey and, and just to help you with those key things that will um, just perhaps make it a little easier for you to approach them. I, somebody told me that the, 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 the health line that you can ring, the one three, I forgot what the number is, but you know the one I mean. Um, but but actually, you talk to a medical professional, and and they can be very helpful, at least in saying, okay, you really do have something to worry about. You need to talk to somebody. So that may be a, a good place to start. Yeah, as well. absolutely, absolutely. But I think you know, particularly in the area of um, you know drug and alcohol addiction, it's really great to talk to professionals that actually mm. understand that problem. If you find then that that your child is is using a drug, but let's say it is it is ice for for want of anything else. What what happens then? What can you do? Because I imagine the trouble with an, an addiction is it's not as simple as saying, "Well, just don't do it anymore." You, you have to try and get them real help. So so what what can happen then? Look, you know the the we know what the problem is once the um, addiction is fully kicked in. Um, there is that, as we said that before, there is that area of denial all of the time. And to get a, per a young person help, there is lots of help available, Alan. But um, it's a little bit like all of us. We all have a free will. And when they're in that place of not wanting help, that is really where families are in often crisis because the parents are beside themselves wanting to get help. The young person's not wanting to get that help. 
And it's at that time that actually the parents are the ones that really do need some help themselves to journey through that because it can sometimes take quite a while for them to get to that place of um, realising that they do need help. You know, we often... um, have a third-party intervention where someone from Teen Challenge will go into the family um, and be there with the parents and help them on that journey. And and that can be something that... um, But, of course, they've got to be willing for uh, a third party to be there. But that can often be helpful because it is a bit of a buffer. It's tough, isn't it? (laughs) It is. a very tough situation. We had friends uh, back in New Zealand at church who had um, one of their kids got stuck on... Uh, they call them legal highs, and they've now been made illegal in New Zealand. But it, it's the, the sort of cannabinoid, um, which are allegedly, inverted commas, harmless. But actually, there were such mood changes and, and so on. That obviously was far from harmless. Uh, and they ended up having to separate him from the rest of the family because it was, you know, three other kids. It all got too, it got too hard. You know, it, is that sometimes the answer to, to separate the, the affected kid? Look, we've definitely known and worked with families where that has happened uh, because they've had other children in the home and um, the young person has just um, totally, um, I guess they have refused every sort of um, hand of help and they've refused every treatment um, plan that would have been there. And yes, definitely we've had to walk with families that have had to make those tough, tough decisions and that is agonising for parents. What would you say to parents? Because I mean, I, I just know how much they hurt and, and it's difficult to know as an outsider what you can say. Look, you know, I guess um, let me say this. Um, my husband and I understand because we had a son who had um, a full-on drug addiction and brought up in a Christian home and we were absolutely devastated mm. when we found out. So I understand how how parents feel I haven't got time to give that testimony today, but, you know, I know the depths of despair that they get to. But this is what the message that I send to to all parents is, I understand, but let me tell you this, our young people are worth fighting for. And so regardless of what um, they are presenting at that moment, it looks like they're totally in rebellion, that they have no um, um, interest in help. There is always hope. And so um, my husband and I with our son, it was, you know, we looked um, at him and, you know, really in our hearts, even though our hearts were so um, torn apart, we knew that there was hope. And so I say to parents, never give up because they sometimes have to go down a steep decline before they're ready to come back up. But in that in that decline, you know, it's important that you care for yourself as well because you have to be there for them when they're actually ready to reach out for that help. I guess despair is, is a terrible thing because it just it takes your hope away and, of course, you're having to, I guess, be the hope for the child as well. Well, you do, but, you know, we have a hope in, in God that is far greater. Um, you know, we don't, we're not left without hope, and I think that that's the, the incredible um, comfort that we can take, particularly those that have a relationship with God. You, you know that there is someone greater than you, and you've got a, um, a weapon there of prayer that um, can cover those young people until they're ready to come back. And look, I know there's been devastating stories and many, um, you know, many parents who've had to face uh, dreadful situations with their young people, but there is always hope. Uh, we, we had a call, uh, we had a call that came in um, 
and uh, they asked about dealing with an, an, an older child. Um, do the same sort of techniques work with with a child, say, who's, who's past the teens and into the into the twenties? Is it? Do you have to change the approach at all? Uh, I guess it depends on the situation as well, and it depends on how old they are too. Um, you know, there is the principles never change in terms of in in Teen Challenge. I guess this is the way we approach our young people: is that we give them unconditional love, but we set very firm boundaries. And I believe that that's a very important formula for parents to understand. You have to give unconditional love, but you have to set very firm boundaries because there is a protection that has to be there for the parent and for other children that may be in the home. Because that's a difficult thing, isn't it? Is, is all this is going on while real life is happening. You, know, you can't isolate this out. It has to happen while everything else is going on as well. Well, it does, and that is the difficult thing because life must go on and has to go on. But um, I think one of the big problems that we often see is that parents um, don't know how to put those boundaries in, and that's where talking with people who understand this really does help. You're listening to the Vision Radio Network right across Australia, connecting faith to life. It's Alan Lee with you on 2020. Our guest in this hour of the program is Joe Hobbs from Teen Challenge. Phone lines are open, one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. 870 If you would like to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Oh, we've been talking a lot about, about drugs, but, but I know another major issue because of the way society seems to have gone is a lack of dads. And we were talking earlier on in the program to Stephen Korn, who wrote the book about uh, uh, being a great dad for dummies. Um, it, it's, it is an issue, isn't it? The, the fatherlessness, for want of a better mm. word. Yeah, it is. It is, Alan. Definitely a, a huge issue in our nation. And um, we have lots of um, families that don't have a dad at home. And I guess before I say anything more, I want to actually acknowledge those mums who are in that solo parenting situation, because I think they do an amazing job. And I think they certainly, you know, deserve our respect. And, uh, but, you know, many of those are doing it really tough. And it, it is very, very tough for a young person growing up in a home that doesn't have a dad that's present. But may I also say that there are many, um, family units who have a dad at home, but the dad's actually abdicated from his role because the dad is actually more than just a second adult who lives in a home. A dad needs to bring a whole lot more than that. Because when I grew up, I I mean, my dad was, you know, I never doubted that he loved me, but it was, um, the dad's role was he went to work in the morning, he earned earned the cash that it kept the family going, and then he'd come home at night, often not until we'd gone to bed um, because he worked a long day. So really we only ever saw him at weekends and, and holidays, but that that I'm not entirely sure is the way it should be. <laughs> well, I, I don't believe that it is, and um, I certainly don't believe that that's biblical model either. Uh, you know, some of the things that I say is that, you know, a dad needs to be present and a dad needs to be um, involved in their children's lives. And and I often um, say, you know, do you ever take your daughter out for a date? And, you know, that's important because they need to understand what it's like for a gentleman to take them out for a date. So they know what it's that they need to look for when they get to that time of dating. 
And, you know, with their young boys, um, do they? how much time do you spend with them? Do you take them fishing or um, camping or whatever it is that you enjoy doing together, you know, to let yourself be in that situation where you can actually build healthy relationships. And I often say it's in those times where your daughter or your son will actually open their heart to you and to, to tell you things that they wouldn't normally tell you on a day-to-day basis. Really important for, for a dad to be a healthy role model and to inspire healthy change in young people. Hold that thought. Let's uh, go to the phone lines. We've got a caller from uh, the north coast of uh, New South Wales who's uh, joining us on the line now. Uh, I know you didn't want to give us your name. That's that's fair enough because obviously you don't necessarily want to be identified. Just tell us a little bit about uh, about what your problem was. Uh, we've had a, a teenage daughter who's our youngest child and um, she was suffering from anxiety and I guess that led her into trying to get help via, you know, drugs and um, so she started to go to parties and um, when she was 16 she had a, um, I had a call at 5 o'clock in the, in the morning from an emergency department to, of a hospital to say that she um, was in the hospital and she'd actually had an overdose of drugs and um, she had lied to us that she was going to a girlfriend's place and in actual fact she'd been to a party and um, yeah so it's just been a bit of a long journey for us um, because with that has come rebellion and um, just and lies and not being truthful, staying over at boyfriends' houses and so forth. And and in the end, we just had to say, you must tell us where, um, the truth of where you are going because above all else, although we couldn't stop her from going out and so forth, we just wanted her to... We wanted to know that she was safe and above all, that was our... Our boundary and our issue with her was her safety. Mm. And, um, but even just of recent times, um, like as much as we've sort of tried to talk to her about it and that she used to say that she didn't want to live at home anymore because we were accusing her and so forth. And um, so we ha- we've sort of had to really restrain from, you know, asking lots of questions and, and saying accusations and that sort of thing. And and recently she'd stayed away for um, two nights. So um, with the anxiety and the worry about the drugs and so forth, um, my husband ended up calling the police and we got the police involved and because we had no idea where she was. And it was really amazing because the community um, young people on Facebook started putting out an alert and they um, ended up getting a response of people saying that they'd seen her with um, certain people. Anyway, so we had the police go around and visit and, and they actually picked her up. So we found where she was, but we... We also did that to teach her a lesson because um, she needed to know that for two days she had actually been a missing person Mm. and it really put 
worry and fear in her that her parents had been so worried about her that they actually got the police involved. I think that's every parent's nightmare, isn't it? That that, that you you lose track of of where your child is. I, I mean, I think I think many parents would have done the same as you and contacted the police after after twenty four hours or so. Yes. Is that Joe? Is is that a um, I mean, where do we go from from someone like that? Because obviously, it, it's there's a lot of rebellion there. Mm. Certainly. Can yeah. I just um, ask what was her response when she actually was picked up by the police and brought home? Well, she didn't want to be dropped off at home. She wanted to be dropped off at her nan's place, and I don't know whether that was to save embarrassment. But she loves her nan very much, and um, then her father went and picked her up from there. But um, my, I said to my husband, we'd been holding back from um, really rousing on her and, and saying a great deal because of her rebellion and her taking off from home. So um, I said to my husband, I think at this stage, it's almost to the stage where we felt like kicking her out, but we've really resisted because at 17, you don't want a daughter on the street. But I said to my husband at this time, don't hold back. You must say to her what you need to say. And um, so he actually did and, you know, possibly did the wrong thing by, you know, telling her she was just stupid and all of this. But but at the same time, she, she actually responded to that and was um, quite upset and very embarrassed that we had called the police embarrassed because of all of her friends finding out mm. and um, and she has actually turned around. There's, we had our church and that praying as well and there has been breakthrough that, she, that she's actually um, been at home a lot more and not staying out overnight. Look, sometimes, um, sometimes just those incidents can um, actually jolt them um, not mm. completely back into reality, but actually give them a, a you know a bit of a wake up call, mm. and that was the reason I asked what her response was to that. And uh, look, I think you know it, it's what I said before is that we you know every time we approach our children, it has to be with unconditional love, but with very firm boundaries. And you know you do need she needs to understand um, the effect that it's having in the home. Mm. Um, you know, on you and your husband, do you have other young people at home as well? No, she has two older siblings. Okay. And look, sometimes there's someone in the family that they respond to more and it's often I encourage um, parents, if there's someone in the family that they respond to and if that's her um, grandmother, mm. um, it may be a great, um, she may have a great opportunity to speak things into her life that you won't have at the moment. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. Nana's about 87 years of age. <laughs> wow. Mm, yeah. okay. A lot of life experience there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's amazing. She truly is. But um, I must say it's been a journey of, of losing hope and then gaining hope again and just um, an in, incredibly hard situation. But I must say I am feeling a little lighter about it at the moment just, just through the response of her um, not taking off as much since we've had that um, had the police situation. Sure. 
And um, also she's getting some help um, seeing a psychologist. And so that's all really positive as well. That's great. Great mm. stuff. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will be praying for you and your situation who've, who've been listening. Because um, <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people will, will have feel that you've struck some chords there. Thanks for being brave enough to come on and talk to us about it. That's okay. And, and you guys have been great as well because one particular evening, evening I called Pray For Me. Oh, yes. And they were wonderful and they responded really well also. So oh, that's great yeah, to hear. I appreciate your station. All right. Well, thank you very much. Take care. God okay, bless. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Oh, that's a story, isn't it? That, that, that whole rebellion thing, it, it's, sometimes you just don't know where to go, do you? Well, you don't, and I think that um, you know it, it does strip parents a lot of hope, and um, you often are in a situation where you feel I don't know what to do. But that's why I, I do encourage parents to actually talk to people who deal in this area because there's so much. Um, you know, I think sometimes if you don't understand, it's so much worse because you don't know what to look for, you don't know how to respond. Um, you, you're all the time second guessing yourself. Am I doing the right thing? And that's why I think, you know, parents, it's so important that they are educated in this area as well. It's not just the young person, but the parents need that too. We were talking about, about dads not being on the scene, not being part of the, of the parenting process. I guess that that's part of it, isn't it? If you're a single parent, and I guess this works either way, when there's only one of you, it's so much harder. Well, it is. Um, but, you know, I, I have this um, theory, Alan, that we actually all can be a part of the solution. And I was thinking very much about, um, you know, Psalm 68, where it says that, you know, God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender to the widow. And he also sets solitaries in families. And I believe that, you know, well, I know that all around us, there are families who are doing it tough, who are solo parents. And we have them in our churches. We have them in our neighborhood. We have them people that we work with. They're all around us. But somehow we tend to step back and not want to be a part of that solution. But, you know, we've seen the difference that it makes in a young person's life when someone will step up to be a mentor. It doesn't mean that they become their father, that they try ever to take that role. But it can have an incredible impact to have a positive role model there um, in a man who will come alongside a young person and just spend that quality time with them. So, you know, I think that also that perhaps we abdicate from that as well in society. And uh, it is on all of us to actually walk that journey and fulfill what God said in Psalm 68, that, you know, he puts solitaries in families. Part of, part of it, though, is that I guess that's maybe the way society is, but we we don't want to invade someone else's space. You know, we're, we don't want to invade their privacy. We're, we're, we're reluctant to, to say anything in case they feel that we're judging them. You know, people people are much more isolated, insular than, than maybe they were in the past. Look, they are, but, you know, sometimes, Alan, I, I guess I'm going to sound a bit harsh here, but I think that we use that as an excuse. <laughs> yeah. Because we don't particularly want to be involved ourselves because we have all have very busy lives. And so we, we tend to use those things as, as excuse. But you don't rock up to someone's door and knock on their door and say, hey, can I be a positive role model? <laughs> you know, that's not how it works. No. You actually start to build a relationship with that family. It takes time and it takes effort. But you know what? Um, 
God puts a lot of effort into the relationship that we have with him. And, you know, it really is on us in the church to to really, I believe, to um, provide the help that these solo parents need. And, you know, they do a fantastic job. And they honestly, you know, I take my hat off to them. It's a very difficult situation when you're bringing up children on your own. And many of them would be more than happy for someone to step in to take that place and just to give those young people a positive role model in their life. There's something you said then, which which actually we keep coming back to, is is time. It's something that, you know, we're all time poor. And it strikes me that a lot of what you're saying, a lot of what we've been saying all morning is that um, it's we need to make time to deal with these things. It's not something you can fix in a minute. It's something you have to really invest yourself in. Well, you have to. I mean, you know, if you don't spend time with your child, it sends the wrong message. A father that is involved with their children, this is the message that it sends. You are my priority. You're important to me. You can trust me. You can talk to me about anything. That's the message it sends to them. But if they don't have your time, it sends the opposite. You know, you're not my priority. Regardless of, you know, whether the dad may be busy providing and doing all of those sorts of things, you know, I I dare say when someone's on their deathbed, it's not about how much money they've made, but about how much love is in that room from their family. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020. Our guest on the program today is Joe Hobbs from Teen Challenge. And uh, we're talking about about the challenge of teens, I guess, is to put it in a nutshell. Um, I know one of the issues that, that we see a lot about in the media, particularly with, with relation to girls, I know it can affect boys as well. And, and that's the whole body image thing you know you you hear of of people saying i must lose weight because i'm too fat um you know and then we get into the whole business of anorexia bulimia um self-harm all sorts of of things how big an issue is that is is that blown up by the media or is it actually a, a problem it is a huge problem alan um in our women's center you know we see that all the time along with the addictions You'll always, uh, not always, but in uh, a majority of cases have um, some of these issues that will go hand in hand with it. There'll be eating disorders or there'll be self-harm. And, uh, you know, these these things are actually just symptoms of what the real problem is. It's just like um, drug and alcohol addiction. The addiction is actually just a symptom of what the real problem is. And it's the issues that underlie there that are so important to um, actually dig down into. And uh, I guess some... Um, if I can say here in Teen Challenge, this is something that we're committed to and the reason we have such a high success rate is that we don't just deal with the addiction. We actually um, uh, walk the journey of recovery so we dig down into those deeper issues that actually brought them to that place. And uh, so with these areas of um, eating disorders and self-harm, it's the same thing. It's the issues that are underlying there. It's what is it that's actually got them to that place. And there are a lot of compounding problems, you know, such as um, advertising and media that actually, um, you know, they um, define womanhood to these young people in a very unrealistic way. Um, these super skinny models that are there and, you know, they're, they're unachievable, the, the sort of body image that they produce. And so it certainly compounds the problem, but the problem actually is much deeper than that because it often stems from those that have had um, abuse in their life, um, 
Mm-hmm. It may be emotional abuse. It may be sexual abuse, a whole range of things. And, you know, the cutting of themselves is is actually um, they're inflicting physical pain to try and suppress the emotional pain that they're feeling. That's a terrible place to be in. It is. It's, it's a, a dreadful place for any young woman to be in. How do you solve something like that? Is, is it solvable? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. Um, you know, you come to Teen Challenge, Alan, and I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too frightened now. <laughs> we, see, we see young women come in who have all of these problems. Some of them have all of them together, you know, and then others will have a couple of different problems that are connected. Um, you know, but the message that we send to young people when they come in our doors, this is the message that they receive from us, that you are loved you're valued and you have a purpose. You know, many of those young people have never heard those words before. And so we start to walk the journey with them. And that journey is a quite deliberate journey. We um, find out where they're at. And so the case managers will start them in in certain areas that um, obviously um, are those issues that they're dealing with at the time. We we talk with them. We, We have a program that is centered around all of this. So these issues are talked about. They're um, and, and this is a daily program that they, they go through. And there is hope because, you see, Jesus is the agent of change and he brings that change and hope into their lives. And actually, we do see that transformation happen on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Is that something that a, a parent can deal with or do you need professional help when, when your child's gone down that road? It depends, Alan. Definitely it depends on the severity of it and that's... Um, you know, sometimes it is, you know, a young person has just, you know, maybe just started to, you know, nick themselves with a knife or something like that. It's not something that's full blown yet. But once you see those signs, that's when you have to act. You can't ignore them. And in fact, with self-harm, a lot of them will self-harm in areas on their body that you can't see because their clothing will cover it up. And so sometimes it can go undetected for quite some time. But, um, you know, if self-harm is a continuing issue, you definitely need to seek advice because um, there are some much deeper issues to that than what you're seeing on the surface. And those issues will often go back to their childhood. Well, and, and I guess things like anorexia and, and bulimia, the, the eating disorders, I mean, those just are physically can be can be fatal absolutely fatal and uh, and it's all about perception you know our mind is just such an incredibly powerful part of us because you know how can an anorexic person stand in front of a mirror and think that they're fat you see there's no logic in that so there is this incredible um, connection there that psychological connection and uh, you know we have to be able to um, cut that connection somehow so that they actually can start to see reality. It's not, you know, what we're dealing with there is not something that's logical. You just can't logically say to them, look, you're not fat. That just is not going to work. They need much more than that. They need yeah. professional help. We have dealt with a huge number of topics today. <laughs> um, I'm sure that, that a lot of people will be thinking, actually, I would, I would like to find out more about Teen Challenge, maybe to support you, or maybe because they need your help. So if someone wants either help or to support you, what's the best thing to do? So if um, you know, anyone needed help, they can phone our um, main office, which is 3422-1500. Or we have so much on our website that they can actually get information from as well, which is... Um, 
teenchallengeqld.org.au. And we've popped that up on our website as well. So if you go to vision.org.au, which you all know by now, then you'll see a link through to the Teen Challenge site. Joe, thank you so much for coming in. We've covered a lot of ground in a short time, but but uh, thank you for opening up a, a whole area that I think probably a lot of us hadn't realised there was so much going on. Well, thank you, Alan. It's certainly been a pleasure to be a part of the show. Great. Thank you. I have a feeling we'll have you back again soon. Thanks so much indeed. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.